It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. Of course, I got my guy, the the man, the myth, the legend, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Yo, here uh, to shepherd you guys through another episode. Uh, you know, going to have a little bit of fun today, as always. But uh, before we get through that, I want to handle the... Uh, the housekeeping today, mm, so be okay. sure that you follow us. Uh, Locked on Canes on Twitter. Uh, my co-host Fred Purdue is Fred Purdue. That's P-E-R-D-U-E-C-F-B um, on Twitter. I'm at Underwood Sports. And be sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you get podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher app, anywhere that you get podcasts. Be sure that you like and subscribe. Helps us out. Helps you guys out. And you know, uh, it'll be fun for everybody. So. That's your housekeeping, and then we're going to just hop into it. So we, we've been talking a little bit of recruiting over the last couple weeks, and, you know, it's the I always say it, it's the lifeblood of the sport. Without it, you have no Canes football, or you'd have very bad Canes football. So we're going to be talking a little bit of recruiting here, and we're not going to be talking about the, un, the guys that you may like or who's underrated. Nah, we're talking about the blue chippers today. We're talking, we have a few, we might have maybe just one. Do we want to, do we want to reveal that kind of news or a, or a rumored news? Do we want to do that? I mean, we can, if you are listening uh, close to when we're recording on Thursday night, and Manny Diaz just recently sent out a uh, welcome to the U uh, tweet, which is the, uh, the bat signal, we call it on social media for someone having committed to Miami or informed them that they're committing to Miami. Um, if you want to do a little quick math and put two and two together, um, today is Dazlin Worsham's birthday, his 18th birthday. Happy birthday, sir. Exactly. And he put that on social media earlier today. Dazlin Worsham on last Sunday said that he's committing publicly to a school tomorrow on Friday. Seems to me that, you know, it makes sense. On his birthday, calls the schools, tells, you know, Alabama, thanks but no thanks, tells Miami, yeah, I'm coming, but I'm announcing tomorrow. It seems like that is what is transpiring. So uh, if you are listening to this on Thursday or Friday morning, be sure that you are uh, checking out uh, our social media feeds. Also, you know, I'm the managing editor of State of the U, and I write all kinds of recruiting articles. So you can pop on over to stateoftheu.com and see if and when something happens there as well, because uh, regardless of if it's Daz and Worsham or anybody else, um, I have the time and uh, information to uh, let you all know when that pops. So we let's get into these blue chippers. Where do we start? Do we want to get the the most obvious one out of the way? So because everyone knows, well, or do we want to I save mean, him for last? You know, we have talked about some of the you know mid tier guys. You know, and I know that everybody says that a South Florida three star is a five star elsewhere, but that's not always true. But we've talked about some of those guys, but we're going to start about or today we're going to turn that about around and talk about the cream of the crop, your blue chips, your fours and five stars. So we can go, we can start at the top, we can start at the bottom and, and leave it in suspense. I'll let you guide the conversation. Where do you want to start? I want to start at the top because Justin Flo, uh, he, I don't get prospect crushes too often, you mm. know, but, and there, I mean, when I say I never get prospect crushes, I mm. can honestly say there's me and, and I, I co- cover recruiting more on the national level, but you know, one Joe Knight 
uh, Joe McKnight was one of them. You know, that Julio Jones was one of them. Those kind of guys get me excited. You know, Chantrell Henderson got me really excited for a while, and then he didn't turn out to be what I thought he'd be. But, you know, that size gets you just, oh, he can be really good. And you kind of draw those comparisons to guys like Mount McKinney. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about Justin Flo, linebacker, just a freak of nature athlete. We actually talked a little bit off off air uh, I compared him to Isaiah Simmons athletically, uh, linebacker from Clemson. You said uh, you came out and said that he couldn't hold, Isaiah Simmons couldn't hold Justin Flo's jockstrap. Facts. Justin well, Flo is a generational talent at linebacker, and I honestly believe that. Uh, if you guys don't know who that is, he's from Upland, California, just outside of LA, 6'2 and a half, 225. Look up his highlights. If you look on his huddle film, um, or any of the articles that I've written about him, and there's plenty on stateoftheu.com. He's just a freak. They call him Baby Man, uh, just because even at a young age, he had this advanced physicality and used it with ill intention. Um, And yeah, I mean, he just, he does everything. You know, if he wanted to be a running back, he would be a four-star probably. Uh, Upland has put him at at, uh, running back a little bit, and that's an easy transition, you know, running back, linebacker. A lot of guys at the high school level will play both ways and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, Justin Flo, He's a plug-and-play at any school in America. That's Clemson, who are thought to be his leaders. That's Georgia. That's Alabama. That's Miami. That's Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, USC, anywhere that he wanted to go. Justin Flo would be playing from day one. He's not a guy who's going to redshirt absent an injury or something like that. You're going to find this kid on the field. And, I mean, he's uh, the number one linebacker in America. He's currently ranked the number five overall prospect, overall prospect in this class by 247 Sports. It doesn't get more elite than Justin Flo. He gets to the quarterback so – he's violent. And I've seen him – drop his hand in the dirt a little i'm actually while we're talking i'm actually watching the film that's kind of my tradition as we talk about these guys i like to kind of go into the film room and give you a live idea of what i think you know and he he can do it all he can drop in coverage he can play the run for a guy that is i mean now granted will he be able to play the run in the at the next level that'll be to be determined i think he can he is you know I remember there was a a basketball player once that they took they called him half man half half amazing. Yeah, I think I think he needs to transfer that 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 moniker over to Justin Flo because this kid can do it all. I mean, he, he has good feet. He can he can he scrapes over the top great. Um, mm-hmm. He great in coverage. Again, I I want to see him at the next level at some point stop the run. Because he'll be an undersized linebacker at that point, but uh, he he can do it all, and he can get after quarterbacks, and guys like that are very rare. Again, like we were talking yesterday about how Daz Worsham is a sudden athlete, Justin Flo is a sudden athlete, and if you watch his highlights, if you search up Justin Flo's highlights on Twitter, there's one play in particular. I don't know if you've seen this already on um, on the huddle that you're watching, but yo. They try to inside run uh, the opponent. Just a simple, you know, one back, two tight, you know, up the middle, easy running play. Justin Flo split between the guard and the tackle and hit the running back at the mesh point. And the whole stadium, even the cameraman during that play goes, ooh, because it was that kind of hit. Like, if you see nothing else, you can see that one play and be like, oh, he can do that? 
okay. Like, you don't even need to see the other things. He is, he's everything that you want. Now, let's spin this to where Miami fits in in his recruitment. Clemson, like I said earlier, are thought to be the widespread favorites for mm-hmm. Justin Flo because they're the biggest, baddest bullies on block in recruiting. Justin Flo recently, last weekend, took a visit to Clemson. The weekend before that, for the Louisville game, he was in Miami. That's his second trip to Miami because he came down in the spring. His younger brother, Jonathan, who's a junior linebacker right now at Upland Hills or Upland, California, he visited for Paradise Camp in July, but Justin did not come with him for that. So both of them have been down here multiple times. We'll talk about Jonathan Flo next cycle probably. Anyway, Justin Flo has Miami in his top four. And he could go literally anywhere in America. Even teams that have not offered him scholarship, if he decided, hey, Purdue, I want to go. They will find room for him. But, you know, Miami is making moves, or they're trying to make moves here. There's still an uphill battle to be waged to get to the top. But people are confident in, in, at Miami that a move was made when he came for his official visit. And that probably shortened the gap between Miami and Clemson at the top. But we'll see if that's enough to overcome their lead and the status of their program and these other schools that are still pursuing him like a Georgia, like a Alabama, like a USC, like a, uh, Oregon is the other team. You know, I'm reading his, as we're talking, I'm just reading his, his scouting report. And a lot of what I already see is already there. Violent hands, great feet, good speed, good coverage, uh, needs to improve his lateral mobility, uh, lateral mobility. Of course, those th- type of things do need to be improved, but the violent hands, the hand usage at such a young age is scary because you can put him on the outside and is he a pass rusher? Probably not at this level, yeah, because he'll he'll make tackles look bad. He'll make that running back that's chipping, no chance. When he gets to college, mm, he could be he could easily he'd probably feel right in at either Sam or Will. To be very honest, he could play either or. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there are very few guys that can play either or. I mean, he – I'm not willing to go into Willie Williams territory, but I am willing to go into Willie Williams territory as why, far. Why are you not willing to go into <laughs> Willie Williams? For, for talking about the level of athletic freak that he is. I mean, okay, Willie Williams was two inches – or an inch and a half, two inches taller. So I'll give him that. But other than that – why would you like where, where's the hesitation to put Justin Flo in that same caliber? Willie Williams was the legend. He was a legend, a high school. Oh, legend. absolutely. He was a high school legend. I'm I'm very cautious when it comes to touching high school legends, regardless if he's just an area legend or he is a national legend. You know, there are very few guys that can live up to it, but I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, he's in Willie Williams territory and, and he might be he. I don't know what he is like as a as a person, but he I mean, pretty much everything's better than Willie Williams. No shots taken, but you know, he was a bit of a problem child and things happen, so Facts. I, I have a prospect can you tell I have a prospect prospect crush? I mean a a guy that Hey, I mean, look, it happens to, to everybody. I've had them pretty much every year. Um I'm trying to keep them to myself now because for like four years in a row, I said this is my prospect crush, and then they in- invariably went somewhere else. <laughs> or like Key Hester, they came for a week and a half and then left, so I've stopped saying uh, who those guys are. But it is easy to see why everybody in America wants 
excuse me, Justin Flo on their roster because he's he's that kind of guy. Now, scheme. I know we have other prospects to talk about, but last yep. question for him: uh, Where does he fit? Three, four, anywhere. four, three. Anywhere. Anywhere. Can we? Is, anywhere. is is he the guy that could easily be that hybrid striker? If he. No, no. I would put him more at a micro or a will in our mm-hmm. system. Um, but there is not a defense around where he cannot have a role and that role be a starring role. So, I mean, he's obviously, okay, maybe the way that you use him in every defense would be a little unique. So there is that. But, I mean, no, there is not a thing where, oh, he's three inches too short, so he has to be in a spread offense or da 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 Nah, he can fit in anybody's defense. And more to the point, if you get a guy like this on your team and you're running something that doesn't fit his skill set, you're fired. What are you doing? <laughs> you find a way. You're, you're gonna get one. You're gonna get a guy like Justin and Flo, maybe once in your coaching career, maybe. And if you misuse him, come on, bro. So we've talked defense, right? We've talked about the down and dirty side on defense. So let's talk about the down and dirty side on the offensive side. Christopher Morris, West Memphis uh, tackle. What impression, my first impressions when I see him, a bit of a tweener, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he's, he's a tackle. He's about 290, 6'4". That's great. I love the height. I love the size. Um, violent, violent, nasty streak. And there's, for tackles in today's football in the spread era where it's two heads, we're playing patty cake, it's refreshing to see a guy just drive a guy into the into oblivion. Just send that guy into the next dimension for all of our, we have anime people here too, so I, you guys understand me too. So put him in a whole different place. Make him afraid to ever, and, and make him afraid to ever try to touch a quarterback. And if you just have to, Kick him inside in the run game. That inside-outside zone game, oh, he could be a real problem. Yeah, Chris Morris is a, is a guy who's wanted a Miami offer for a long time. Like Fred said, he's you know, 6'4", 290 at offensive line, plays tackle in high school, maybe profiles more as a guard moving forward, but he has good size already at 290. Um, and at a recruiting camp, he went to the opening regional. I forget which regional he went to. I think it was Atlanta, I think. But over the summer, he told uh, Bud Elliott from Banner Society, uh, you know, the former SB Nation national uh, guy. It's the same thing. They just, you know, rebranded the website. Anyway, um, he's the national recruiting analyst. And when he spoke to Chris Morris, he said, okay, you know, who are your top schools? Yada, yada, yada. Says, then he said, okay, who is a school that you are, don't have an offer from but want to hear from? And I, Bud sent me the audio, so I heard him say it. Chris Elliott, or sorry, Morris, literally said, my and me, like that. Not just like, oh, he said, no, my and me. It's a school that I don't hear from, that I want to hear from. If I got an offer from them, that would be a game changer in my recruitment. This is a four-star offensive lineman. We need offensive linemen. Hello, what are you doing? It took a while, uh, and uh, that eventually trickled down, and the information got to Miami's coaches and things. They did their own evaluation and finally offered Chris Morris. Looked like, or he is committed to Mississippi State right now. Um, but uh, yeah, we're trying to get involved and get him on campus for an official visit and things like that. Because if the way that I really look at recruiting interviews, 
Because everybody, you know, who writes for a website or a blog or things, you know, you usually ask that player directly, hey, I'm from State of the U. Tell me about the connection with Miami. And you'd like kind of guide the conversation. I love these things, like what I just told you, where somebody asks open-ended, who are your top four? And let the kid come up with his teams because then you're really seeing who matters. I don't care about your top 20s and top 15 edits. If I ask you who your top five are and you say that, that's who's on your brain. If I say, who are you not hearing from? And I and leave it open like that and then you tell me emphatically like he did the answer, that's, that's real. And hopefully Miami's able to build on that and get him in this class. Now... When we, t- I have a good, I have a good feeling about one particular player that could help us on either side of the ball more than likely on the defensive side. But uh, it's always great to go steal someone from the other side, from the dark side, the bad side. Those people up north, we don't even address them until they start winning again, and I don't think they're going to beat us anytime soon. Hence the fact that they wanted a former player, a former coach, and a guy that coaches for the little green people in Indiana. So. Um, there are so many shots being thrown. So, um, yeah, so many shots being thrown. But Keyshawn Green, linebacker and running back Wakulla High School. What say you on this prospect? Keyshawn Green is one of the more athletic linebackers in America this year. Uh, you know, he's, he clocked a four four nine official on the lasers uh, during the opening regionals this summer. Um, so he can move. He can fly. Uh, he's about 6'3", 195, so he's, you know, lanky and everything with room to, you know, uh, get up to 215, maybe 220 and keep his athleticism. He's going to play linebacker at the next level. Yeah, like I said with Justin Flo, most linebackers usually also play running back, especially if you're at a smaller school. He's from Wakulla, which is in the panhandle of Florida, which is very close to um, Florida State, which is why he's committed to Florida State. Uh, but he thought about decommitting, and then uh, the interim coach talked him out of that. But I think that his commitment is maybe uh, not as firm as it once was, especially with the state of uh, Florida State's program. So Miami's going to try to get involved here. Now, we've talked about two linebackers. Miami would take either or both. So we have three good linebackers committed already. Love those guys. They're Hurricanes through and through. Add depth and talent. You probably recruited over a bunch of guys on the roster already by just bringing them in. But you can recruit over. You're recruiting over if you bring in a, a flow and or a green. So when you have guys who are this talented, those extra slots, and if you've read my class breakdowns, I know I haven't written one in a while, but if you've read any of them, I say, you know, best available is our, our scholarship slots. Flow or green would fit in that best available. So you get the guys to fulfill, like, your needs, and then you add on elite talents when, when and where you can. Keyshawn Green would be one of those guys, and it would be a double win because you would take him off of Florida State's commit list, off of their roster, put him onto yours uh, in both of those kind of pursuits. But, yeah, uh, he can play here, and he can fly. And, I mean, he isn't as bulky as Justin Flo, so his big hits don't resonate in that same kind of way. But he gets from sideline to sideline about as fast as any linebacker that you'll see at the second level. And you know what Miami has done over the – probably the last decade they've done a very good job of having speed at those outside backer spots and uh the the guy in the middle he may be a little bit of the heavy footed type and that's fine i mean you you need that guy that can be able to stuff the run and he has his uh, he has his justice league friends for all our super superhero references will be dropped here so we can you, you do have superman but you have to have batman you also have to yeah, you have to have the Flash, too. So those are great references there. So now 
defensively, we know Manny Diaz. This is going to be a defensive football team, regardless of whatever happens. As long as Manny Diaz is there, it will be a defensive defense first football team. So, but we have offense sells tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little offense before we kind of move on because I know we have a, a special guest. We, we're going to throw it back to the past here. Uh, but let's talk offense. And I got to talk about Jalen Knighton, right? Running back, running back. He, watching his film, his film, his the title of his film is Defense's Worst Nightmare. And when I you – I, I love it. I, one, I love the confidence. But – he is a one-cut back, get-up field, and he has some some shake, rattle, and roll to his game. He, I mean, he could really fill any role you want. He Does he really take a 20 carries a game guy? Probably not, but he can be that slash to any offense that you want to put him in. Yeah, Jalen Knighton uh, from Deerfield Beach High School, uh, he's a – He's a scat back, you know, uh, to use a, a little older term. You know, he's 5'9", 180 pounds, um, you know, shifty in, in uh, short spaces, makes guys miss, has plenty and plenty of speed when he gets in the open field. Uh, you can toss the ball to him. You can uh, use him as a receiver out of the backfield. Maybe not the best wide receiver out of the backfield, uh, but good enough where he can catch the ball. And he's an impact player. He, You know, he, he, can, he can score from anywhere on the field. Uh, Miami has had some struggles in recruiting Deerfield Beach High School recently. If you think back to Jerry Judy who went there, if uh, well, Jerry Judy went to Coconut Creek and then he, oh, yeah, did he go to Creek? He went to Monarch, excuse me, and then he transferred over. Um, Riley Ridley, uh, Calvin Ridley's younger brother, Caven, uh, he did the same thing, transferred over there. Obviously, neither of those guys came to Miami, um, even though they got a last weekend visit uh, from Jerry Judy. Uh, and there's been some other guys over the course of time who uh, have been at Deerfield and gone other places, including Jason Strobridge, who plays at North Carolina on the defensive line. Um, Xavier Restrepo is, he's at Deerfield Beach, but he's an Aquinas kid. He was at Aquinas for three years, transferred over to Deerfield so he could enroll early because uh, Aquinas does not allow such things. Um, but yeah, so he's over there, and maybe he's in Jalen Knighton's ear because they play on the same team, on the same offense and everything, saying, hey, you know, uh, maybe you should come on down to Miami. And Miami's been looking for two running backs in this class for the duration. I've written that every single class breakdown this cycle. They're looking for two running backs. You have the best running back in the state of Florida already committed in Donald Cheney Jr., in the, who's you know a four-star, borderline five-star. Then you bring in uh, uh, Jalen Knighton to be the, the lightning to Cheney's thunder. And man, you're cooking with grease. So yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, the one thing I will say about uh, Jalen Knighton, and and you can kind of talk about this as far as that whole backfield, those backfield mates. You got to have two guys that complement each other. You can't just have two small guys that are really fast. Somebody's got to be able to be uh, your thunder. And I think with this, with this kind of ma- his makeup, you can use him on special teams. I'm. That's the one thing I've looked at when I see his film. He he can definitely you can use him as a gunner, you can use him as a kick returner. He's got some he's lightning in a bottle. And if he's able to be that guy going forward at the next level, he's going to be able to have be a very big problem. The only thing I don't want him in is pass pro. I don't want Jalen Knight in pass pro, but it's I can live with it. I can live with it in spots, but not on a regular basis. I was just going to say it has to be situational. You know, if you have 
you know, a gigantic linebacker on the other side. You know, when Miami plays Alabama to open the 2021 season, Jalen Knighton in pass protection equals false. Like, no, sorry, that's just not the matchup. But in the ACC, you know, with ACC size linebackers in most of these schools, sure, I'm with it. You know, so you have to you have to be smart and allocate your resources appropriately. And you know, you have so many different guys in the backfield already. Cam Harris is probably the strongest guy on the roster entirely, pound for pound. Lorenzo Lingard, you know, he's 6'1", 200-something pounds. He's the old-school prototype of what a running back should look like. I mean, he's just, he's built very, very well. Um, you know, you have Robert Burns who's still on there. You know, he's 220 pounds, and, you know, he can he can be your short yardage guy. You have a couple fullbacks on the roster. Don Chaney Jr., he could be a three-down back. I mean, he's... He's 5'11", 195 pounds. He could probably easily be 205 or 210 and keep his speed. And then you have a, a quicker guy in Jalen Knighton, and both of those are blue-chip guys in the same class. So, yeah, no matter where you use them, I think that they could be uh, effective. And it's not even just about the two guys in this class. It's about building the rest of this roster. Uh, you know, so you add them both to the uh, – the running back group that's already assembled and then you're building that depth and talent that you want to see out of the Miami Hurricanes and honestly at the skill positions that's never been a question. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, so we're back from the from the break, and we promised you guys that we'd be talking to a former Miami Hurricane. We're, we've been reminiscing about the Orange Bowl's past successes, and Kel, we, we want to bring on Kelvin Harris from the 1987 and 1989 national championships. Um, in 91. In 91. I, I shortchanged you. I shortchanged you. Yeah, don't shortchange him now. Yeah, I shortchanged him. I'm sorry. I, uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't get to go to the White House in 87. <laughs> okay, so we wanted to ask you, you know, what? give us some story time. And, I, and we'll give it to you that. Uh, you can share with the with the audience of your times in the Orange Bowl. Give us some of your best moments. The first game of uh, my true freshman year, we played Florida in the Orange Bowl. And we scored all the points. We scored 31 for us and four for them. And um, I remember Galen Hallwood put Emmitt Smith into the game until it, like, late third quarter because it was a straight beat down and that place was rocking actually the year before I went to the game the Miami Oklahoma game and that was off the chain everybody was like bye bye Bosworth oh oh that was the Jerome Brown we ain't scared we, of y'all game yeah that was yeah yes. Yeah. yeah, JB was mo- one of the main reasons why I came to you. Now, now why, why is that? Because he was that dude. I remember, like, the first time I had seen him in the club, he was like, yo, I hear you got my number, because I had 98 my first two years. He was like, I was like, yeah. So he punches me in the stomach. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> and and then. Tough. 
So, I mean, what was the reaction? Were you tough enough for him? Did he, you know, did you swing back? Like, how, how did it all play by, play out? It, it caught me off guard, but I played it off. I mean, I was somewhat out of breath because, I mean, he literally hit me right in the solar plexus. Hmm. You can't be soft when you have my number. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And then, you know, him and Winston Moss and Jerome and, I mean, and Alonzo, they were in town. They would buy us drinks food at the club I mean you know they, but yeah I mean that guy was just, that guy was that dude now that dude who would be who would you say would have been your toughest opponent individual player that is that you've went up against in your time in the, in the Orange Bowl um hmm. I didn't play that much against him but Chris Zorich was pretty good from Notre Dame. I mean, he was um, kind of undersized. He was like 6'1", 270, but he had like 22-inch arms. Ended up going in the third round to the Bears, played a few years. He was really good. Um, he was just, you know, you, you'd have to go back and look at the games to understand how big his arms really were. He was um, he was really good. Um, Ode- well, I was red-shirted that year, but Odell Hagens, the guy that's up for the head coach at Florida State, he was an All-American, and he was ext- he was really good at nose guard. Now, for this upcoming game, Miami does have a game against FIU, and it's on hallowed ground. We all know the Orange Bowl is no longer there, but – uh, so many of the memories are there. Are you going to actually be in attendance for this game? Uh, no. No. Um, I had foot surgery, and um, I still am I'm still not all the way recovered. But even if I was able, I probably wouldn't have gone because the way they got it set up, it's a FIU home game. And so we got to get tickets out of FIU. And the only way we can get the free tickets is if we butch or give them to us, but we got to wear blue. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. You're not going to put on just a little FIU blue just to, you know. No. No, no. Good I mean, answer. That, Good answer. I don't know if you guys seen the, the film of the, um, that the reporters had the day that they practiced there last week, but that that doesn't look safe. Are oh, you talking about the uh... – the end zone going towards the uh, outfield wall or towards the, um, yeah, you know, the barrier yeah, and everything. And you got, you know, you still got the, you know, the infield down. I mean, I just hope no one gets hurt on either side because yeah. that's just not safe. And I blame FIU for not putting in more. If they'd have had thirty five thousand seat capacity at their stadium, we could have done it at their place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when we. So we went to Appalachian State. That was the um, that was the the, the uh, capacity of their stadium. You know, when I think of games in baseball stadiums, and it, I mean, we had one. It's been a while, but um, was it was it the Miami Cal game was last year? Oh yeah, it was last year. The um, in Pinstripe Yankee Stadium, Bowl. Pinstripe Bowl. Before that, I think the last one was actually it was Jacory Harris and that crew going up against Cal. Uh, I think that was the Java's Java best game. Java best, yeah, he took it to us, didn't? He? 
and I think we just I think we had a little technical difficulty there, but um, yeah, we'll continue the job at best game. Um, so yeah, those baseball walls, Cam. I, I I just I don't understand. I've never gotten the old nostalgia of playing in a baseball field. Uh, the short it's it's just a shortened field. They're, the walls are not definitely not safe. Uh, what say you? I mean, it just depends on the field. I mean, you could do the thing in Old Tiger Stadium where I grew up in Detroit because dead center was 440 feet away. You know what I mean? So if you only need 360 feet for your 120 yards, you know, the field plus the end zones, you're going to have plenty of room on either side. That's why it worked at Yankee Stadium because it's such a big field that you have that kind of room. Um, You know, Marlins Park doesn't have just, it's not such a huge playing surface for the baseball that, you know, they're not going to necessarily have that room. And they decided to run the field up the right field line, basically. So it's not even using the middle of the diamond and everything going into center field, which has a little bit more room. So, I mean, it's it's a thing that people do and that, you know, the programs will do just to kind of be the novelty game. I'm fine with it, but yeah, you know, as long as the safety protocols and procedures are in place that, you know, the, the construction of the ballpark is not, uh, you know, a hindrance to any of the players, then they'll be fine. Definitely. Now, Kelvin, uh, before we I get actually, you, go ahead. I was going to say one thing. I actually played a game on a baseball field. We played San Diego State, but it wasn't as bad looking as what I saw from Marlins Park. Yeah, I've heard things. About, I, I personally have not been in that stadium since it was built, but I've had people that I've known work for that team and things like that and I haven't they all the impressions of of that stadium have not been all that great the stadium is fine it's just it should have been you know the orange bowl still they should have paid the money from the uh, the city to upgrade it so and it's just it's a team that nobody wants to go see because Miami again is a destination location it's an event city they're not going to show up 81 times a year to watch the Marlins lose 65 of them. Um, so yeah. it's more about that. You got a point there. Yeah, you do have a point there. I've always said that that should have they should have had one of those situations where you double the field and let the let the pro team pay for the field and Miami goes has a situation kind of like what they have now with the Dolphins, but then you just have an upgraded Orange Bowl. It would have been a much better situation, and quite honestly, I think. The Orange Bowl had a had just some kind of it had a different kind of home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, the stands were so close and intimate. But I will say this: of having you know been on the sidelines on both both stadiums, when the fans show up at Hard Rock Stadium and they're engaged like Notre Dame. Yeah, I knew you were going to say the Notre Dame game. That stadium was rocking that night. The the year the year we beat Florida, um, was it four years ago? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen, yeah. Okay, six years ago. That game was electric too. I mean, and then you know it's just a matter of you know it's like that. It's like the Orange Bowl. Now Marlins Park is like marrying your your ex wife's sister. I mean. And I'm not talking about the ex-wife you hate. I'm talking about the one you were in love with. And she tells you she she don't love you anymore. And you settle for her sister. There's just nothing that that girl can do to ever 
take the place of her sister? You know, when I just me personally seeing so I've like gone back and saw so many memories from that field, uh, whether it was the the times in the eighties, uh, in the nineties, the early two thousands, which is more of my realm because I'm a, I'm younger than both of you. But uh, I mean, whether it was Sean Taylor just turning a guy inside out, Devin Hester running in circles around people against Duke, I mean, there are so many moments um, that this stadium has had. That I mean, we could go on and on about this stadium. Devin Hester's first game, out of all the games, that one still sticks out because I remember standing on the sidelines and we getting our ass whooped. And Brock Berlin runs out on the field and they threw oranges at him, <laughs> and they booed him, mm-hmm. and he ends up winning the game. He brought us back. To, to kind of put a to kind of put a bow on this whole thing because I mean we we do have to uh, we still have to play the game I know we can't reminisce about the game uh, we kind of have to talk a little bit of FIU even though I don't think me or Cam want to give any respect to the team because quite honestly it's going to be a blowout I, it is what it is um, what is yeah, what, yeah. what is your lasting memory there if you had to pick one thing out of uh, out of your time at the Orange Bowl. Honestly, um, I had some great memories, but I got to go to the last game that I ever played in there. Um, I had a, a MCL. I didn't practice the whole bowl practice, and uh, it was raining. I had the stomach flu, and we got the ball with eight minutes left against Nebraska, and we ran the clock out. And when I say ran the clock out, Larry Jones literally ran every play and we ran the clock out and beat them 22 nothing being a Miami hurricane I mean I know it means so much to you Kelvin and we do appreciate you coming on the show um what are, before we get you out of here I know you have some some a podcast and all let the fans know where they can reach you also on your Twitter handle ebony lifestyles that's uh, e b O N Y L I F E S T Y L E S. And tell us a little bit about the podcast before we get you out of here. Uh, the U Podcast, taking you inside the Miami Huddle. Where it's all about the U all the time. Great plug. Well, this last episode, I just dropped it uh, yesterday. Me and Manny Navarro from The Athletic, we, we graded the, we recapped and graded the Louisville game. And then we had a set, and then in part of grading, we also asked for each position, where are we now? As opposed to when the season began, as is to right now, where are we with that position? So basically, where are we now with the quarterbacks? You know, where are we where we thought we would be? And then I, um, I have a guy from, um, they're one of the beat writers for FIU, Eric Henry. He previewed the game. He basically gives a breakdown of each position and talks about the season. And then I had uh, Cam, one of your uh, your old friends, Jerry Steinberg. I had yeah. him on to uh, preview the basketball season. He actually got me oh, hyped nice. about our basketball team. Yeah, I got I got to give him a send it, shoot him a text. It's been a while since I spoke to him. All he does now is drink beers. Man, I mean that's good work if you can get it. Oh, and Chase Women, he's uh, he's enjoying New York. 
But he, <laughs> oh, okay. But he he gave a great breakdown of the basketball team, and he actually has me pretty hyped about the 2020-21 season um, because this year is sort of like the rebuilding year, I guess maybe, the build-up year. And so it breaks bit. down what we got now and what we're going to have in two years. But that's yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know how ahead. much you follow the basketball team, but, you know, I think we'll be entertaining. And then I, I, I went on face my Facebook page and I talked noise to all my Carolina uh, fans and told them that we're going to whoop their butt twice this year. Well, I mean, hopefully so. Uh, we're playing them, and I mean, I was a basketball player growing up, so you know, I follow basketball pretty heavily, and I agree oh, with yeah, what Jerry said. Guys. Yeah. yeah, man, you know, like, hey, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, wanted to be, you know, the next Isaiah or, uh, you know, Magic Johnson who went to Michigan State, you know, so wanted to to do that and everything, but yeah, you know, the the basketball team is pretty young across the board. I mean, there's only like one senior, I want to say, um, so you know, yeah, if the young the guys DJ develop kid. and things like that. The DJ kid and the uh, transfer from Florida. That's about it. Right. You're right. So you're going to lose some size with Keith Stone and some shooting with DJ Vasilovich leaving. But, you know, you have a lot coming back. Yeah. By the way, you're you're a Michigan guy, so this ought to be interesting to you. My agent, my first agent and the guy that I had actually ended up being my – he was my agent before he was my agent. I met him the first year of the Heat. To show you my age, the first year the Heat had a team – he was Magic's agent, Dr. Okay. Tucker. He was my agent. And um, I remember meeting him and Magic at the same time, and I thought, Magic can't do anything for me, but this guy can. And he ended up being my agent. Um, he used to be a professor at Michigan State before Magic forced him to be his agent. And he ended up getting Carl Banks, uh, Mark Ingram's dad, Andre Risen. And he had a he had a pipeline coming out of Michigan State. Steve Smith. You're mm-hmm. a Michigan guy, so you, I know, that might be too too old for Fred, but oh no 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 no. I remember him in college. Basketball oh, yeah. guy too. Yeah. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, not as much anymore, <laughs> but um, the nostalgia of uh, college basketball before the Steve one and done. Smith, yeah. Steve Smith gave me some of the great greatest insight on professional life. I don't even think I, I don't think I can share it because I don't know what kind of. Uh, audience that you're trying to tap into tell us after we stop recording yeah we'll do we'll do that off (laughs) yeah nice well i mean hey uh appreciate you coming on uh you know the podcast and everything i know you got your podcast over there doing it big so you know thanks for the the memories of the orange bowl and yeah and i i had marsh on a couple times with me who hurricane marsh Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my number two over State of the Year. Yeah, yeah. That's Why funny because, you, you know, you keep talking to every other person from State of the Year but me. But that's all right. <laughs> I, don't, I won't take offense to it. Well, you know what? I got you next week. There it is. You heard it, folks. Hold them to it. If you Make sure you guys hold them to it on Twitter. <laughs> no, I got you. All right. I gotta... Well, I appreciate that, man. Definitely, definitely. 
Fred, you want to close yeah. that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Kelvin, it was great having you on, man. Before we get out of here, we will be previewing the FIU uh, Miami game. It's not going to be much of a game. A lot of explosions on the other side, but we got to talk about it. So we'll be talking about it, talking about it on tomorrow. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. You can find Kelvin on Twitter at Ebony Lifestyles. You can find myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB, and you can find my guy Cam Underwood at on Twitter at Underwood Sports for my guys here. I am Fred Purdue. We are out and go Kane.